Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brand. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization advocating for anti-stigmatizing, identity-validating, sex-positive or pleasure-positive healthcare. I started this podcast five years ago in 2017 as a... I need a better word for suicide prevention resource because... While that's what sparked the beginning of it, um, I can't I can't really say that you know this was that legally, but um, street slang wise, like I started this because people with herpes wanted to kill themselves, and me asking them why or uh, saying it'll be okay wasn't helpful. So what I did was just find people who had lived experiences and decided to. Um, bring those into this platform for people to be able to access and hopefully let that be something that guides them into a new direction of thought. And uh, so far, I mean, I think that it's worked. Um, I think that it's working. Um, The only thing is that it's just not really um, having the, the speed of impact as I would like for it to. And what I mean by that is people find it. I mean, and, and I'll say this, like some people are having their doctors and uh, their therapists tell them about something positive for positive people if it's relevant. Uh, but I'm still catching people who are like, I've been diagnosed for years and never knew this existed. Uh, some people who've been diagnosed for a long time and regret not having known that this community existed. So. I ask you to share this uh, if you have an episode that speaks to you, if there is a story in particular that you feel moved by, if it's even an episode that doesn't have anything to do with herpes, like whatever it is that um, you feel comfortable with sharing, because like we, we don't know. And I'm someone who... I've put myself in the position of being the center of a global web. And that global web has so many connecting pieces and people communicate through that web and it comes directly to me. If I were to remove myself from this web or if I were to be removed from this web, then the web would exist, but people wouldn't be communicating with each other. Like I communicate through people's lived experiences that they share with me. I communicate to other people um, who are looking for these lived experiences that have been shared with me. Uh, And I'm, I'm the middle piece. It's like playing that game of telephone. Like how many more experiences can be exchanged and shared? How much more of a feeling of community, of um, just belonging can occur if, you know, instead of DMing me directly, you know, asking a question that has more than likely been answered before, like, why not comment on the post so that others can see it? Like, I'm, I'm seeing some of that direct engagement if someone's having a rough time and they say something like that. Um, one or two people will chime in, comment, and make that person feel good. You know, like, it's expected. 
of me to do that. Like, I'm expected to make people feel good after five years of podcasting and putting myself out there as the kind of person who, if you reach out to me, I'm going to give you support. Imagine how good it'll feel for someone to just have a kind stranger just in their corner rooting for them. Hey, yeah, I've been through that as well. And here's where I'm at now. You'll get there. It'll be okay. And I'm I'm seeing it periodically. It's very spontaneous. It's very sporadic. Um, but I just, I know the potential. I know that there can be so much more of it because, I mean, what's going to happen is like, I am now taking my um in my my focus to the healthcare field and being directly in the healthcare field of cold calling like I'm I'm essentially going back into sales and cold calling these healthcare organizations and working to set up presentations and connect with sex educators because what I'm doing is offering a simulated patient experience with uh, sex educators as patients to clinicians, public health professionals who've been in the field for a really long time. And what that is going to do is allow for them to have experiences with people who understand language, who understand trauma-informed healthcare, who uh, understand anti-stigmatizing healthcare, who understand the importance of identity validation and sex positivity, so that these doctors can have practice, these nurses can have practice with not only delivering a diagnosis to a person, but using and asking for someone's pronouns and the discomfort that may come with some of the conversations that can come up if you ask someone about their sexual history. We don't have a lot of practice with that, uh, especially because, you know, generally people are a little bit uncomfortable with sharing about their sexuality, sexual health. But in the instances where there's an SCI diagnosis that is... um, prevalent or if someone has an SCI, like that's one of the ways that I feel I can impact stigma. Um, Not to say that like, you know, y'all aren't helpful or y'all haven't been doing anything. And I, I really don't want for this recording to sound like that. But what it is, is that I'm recognizing that there's a much more significant and efficient, impactful way of doing what it is that I want to do, and it's working through the healthcare organizations that exist as they do. Um, I think that what I do for something positive for positive people will circulate through the healthcare field way faster than it will circulate through people who are newly diagnosed with herpes directly. Right. So if the healthcare field is aware that this resource exists and that this is what it is that we're doing now and this is what the focus is, then that'll circulate so that when people are diagnosed or when people are struggling with stigma or struggling with sexual health communication at all, that they'll be able to hopefully (laughs) um, have this resource offered to them upon diagnosis or during their sexual history. And my intention here is I want to make the impact. It's like pulling at me. This isn't something that um, I feel like, oh, I could do that. No, 
like everything that has led to me being exactly where I am right now is as is is leading to that being what the work is that I do. I moved to Portland, Oregon. I got here. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a plan. <laughs> you know, when I got here, my plan was I was hopeful that I would get one $10,000 grant so that I can bust my ass, get that money, show some results, and then be able to ask for more money from more people to do the same thing. And fortunately, like, this has been working out. Right, right now, I just need to interview... Um, I've got one person lined up, so two more people, and I will have completed this grant that essentially demonstrates the importance of sexless sex education, the stuff that we typically learn after our STI diagnosis um, through self-education about communication, about relationship management, about boundaries, about navigating rejection and wants and needs, and to be able to receive a no and to recognize healthy and unethical behavior. And also being able and willing to seek support in the event that there is a violation of a boundary so that you can do something about it. Because some of us are doing a great job of having and setting boundaries, but we don't do a great job enforcing those boundaries. And if we are to enforce those boundaries, I know that we will have much more feeling, fulfilling relationships because we're able to give people a framework of how to engage with us, how to interact with us, how to treat us. And most importantly, we're modeling how we treat ourselves and what we expect of them, like what the standard is. And in addition to that, um, the the world of sex positivity is something that teaches that. Looking at how the kink and BDSM community um, navigates negotiations, and how people tend to um, negotiate a relationship or a sex scene without even bringing up sex. Like, yeah, you'll say what you do and don't like, but aside from that, it's speaking to your needs, speaking to the other person's needs, learning and to, to have a communication exchange and dialogue around something that we do and we regularly have assumptions of what that thing we do is supposed to look like, but we're co-creating that experience. If you've never co-created an experience of sex, you are missing out or intimacy or a relationship because it's not just, you know, what do you like? Okay, I'm going to do that thing you like with no regard for what I like. A co-created experience is just like this reciprocal energy field of just like giving and receiving rather than taking and feeling empty. That's not what we're striving for. And I'm hoping to be able to teach healthcare providers to even navigate that. I think that with um, what I'm finding through this funded project is that there's two main things that people are concerned about when they receive a herpes diagnosis that a healthcare provider can mitigate right away. The two concerns are how do I manage symptoms and how do I tell a partner? 
easy as that. So if a healthcare provider can say something as simple as, all right, well, um, uh, you may not have any questions right now, but one of the more frequently asked questions that I get as someone who diagnoses people with this just about every day is, um, how do I manage the outbreaks? How do I manage symptoms? So outbreaks are occurrences where the virus presents physical symptoms. You may feel it. You may see it. You may see it and not feel it. You may see it and feel it. You may feel it and not see it. But in the event that you have any of these episodes, what we can do is take medication, one uh, like an as-needed medication, and that medication will be something that you'll just have to take twice a day for three days, and then voila, the outbreak will be gone. Otherwise, um, if you find yourself having consistent reoccurring outbreaks, if that doesn't work for you, then we can consider a daily suppressive medication. Here are some of the pros and cons to that. And then um, also another question is disclosure. How do I disclose to someone that I have HSV? Well, it's really going to be a matter of just speaking to them the same way you would just vetting someone about their sexual health status. You ask them what theirs is. Maybe you can offer up uh, the last time that you were screened, what you were screened for, and perhaps that you learned that herpes wasn't something that was tested for unless you specifically asked for it and you were diagnosed. A lot of people have it and uh, you manage it with medication as needed. Um, here's like I'm I'm here if you have any other questions, and then they can just slip a plug in for something positive for positive people for people to go and listen to the uh, the podcast episodes in order to see if there's any other questions they have and offer them the opportunity to come back with questions later if they have any but for people to google like it it doesn't i don't want people to go to google i don't want people to go to the the herpes support resources uh they should be able to get this information from their healthcare provider right away another thing that really frustrates me too about the healthcare field and when i say the healthcare field what i really mean is the cdc Centers for Disease Control here in the United States of America is um, how many people there are with large followings who um, talk about sexual health. They talk about STIs. So many of us were diagnosed. We learned on our own the reality of these things. And then we start talking to people and now we're more of the go-to resource. I can't tell you how many people come to me like I'm a doctor. And I have to tell people, hey, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a licensed mental health professional, but what I can tell you is this, you need to talk to your doctor. Here is how you can talk to your doctor. And as far as the statistics go, I don't touch statistics. They're inconsistent. I don't want to give some information and then somebody come to me and say, well, this thing says this. It's it's not consistent. I can't tell you that. If you do this exact thing, this will pass herpes on to someone. If you do these things, then it won't pass herpes on to anyone. I can't. I don't. I don't know. I don't have that. The information isn't out here. It's not available, uh, and it's it's really unrealistic to expect information that speaks so concisely to that given that me a dude who's just been interviewing people for five years 
has the largest survey information available for people who are living with herpes. And I'm, I'm, I'm standing on that until somebody can convince me or show me otherwise. Even Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood has been trying to get 500 people to participate in a herpes study in the city of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, that was in 2021. Where they are, I don't know. I sent emails, just checking in. I ain't heard back. <laughs> so um, I'm standing on it. Largest herpes survey, study, research, whatever. Goes to Courtney Brain, founder of Something Positive for Positive People. Thanks to y'all. Thank y'all for participating and sharing this with people. Because for so many people to have participated in the survey, compared to how many people listen to the podcast and how many people I um, engage with, regularly on Instagram, like these numbers were insane. I might, I expected a couple of hundred people. Um, my goal probably started out at 500 and then like to have gotten 1149 people, man, that really shows what we as a community of people are capable of when we decide that we want to show up for something. So when we decide to show up, we get things done. And I, I really just appreciate um, y'all having shown up to this point because it, I can't say it keeps me going because what keeps me going is this my own internal drive of seeing this through. I have a very strong, like, I, I think that we all kind of have this driving force of addiction within us that can be applied to something healthy or unhealthy. Um, I haven't been masturbating. I did like twice, but there was a period where I didn't masturbate for a month. I looked up and was like, whoa, I ain't masturbating. And then I was like, oh, I haven't been watching porn. Whoa. And let me tell you that, woo, that first orgasm after not uh, getting off for a month, man. <laughs> uh, but in in that time frame, I had been just... I've been busy. I've been journaling. I've been working. I've been getting this thing running. I've had a little bit of stress to work through and apply that to the things that were important to me. And what I learned from that experience has just been like where my focus is, is where I choose to put it. So that driving force of addiction, it went from, you know, maybe masturbating and porn and the feeling, uh, feeling good and pursuing potential partners and having relationships, being liked, being desired, uh, getting validation from people that just like feels good uh, in that moment or felt empty to like now, like I have obsessively been self-developing. I've been going through a ton of self-development stuff with just journaling and um, like asking myself real hard questions about myself, about my identity. I've been back on my self-help videos. Um, I started to listen to a couple of the audiobooks that I had a long time ago. And I'll just go ahead and say it, but one of them is No More Mr. Nice Guy by... Um, Ronald, mm -mm. it's not Donald Glover. I believe it's Robert Glover. And what he talks about in this book that is the most fascinating is just how nice guys are manipulative. And I've seen so much of myself in that 
when I first downloaded this book because I, I went home and I found journal entries from 2015. And one of those journal entries actually was what triggered the thought of, oh, let me check out that, that No More Mr. Nice Guy book again. Because I, I don't know why, but I thought that it was just like for, for dating. Um, and I didn't really think about it. But when I listened to it again, I realized that a lot of the stuff that uh, I talked about on the manifesto episode where I talked about masculinity and what would happen if masculinity pursued wholeness instead of pursuing femininity. Like if as a man, instead of pursuing wholeness through my relationships with women, if I recognized my own wholeness within myself and then went back into making myself available for um, women for relationships and that was kind of it was paraphrased but it's crazy to me that seven years later uh this seed had been watered and starting to bloom in a way that i could communicate it in my own way but the the book basically just talked about like the the nice guy syndrome and like that's something that i recognize like i have and I, I have it for my career, like I'm showing up for people like I do a lot of those things. I don't prioritize Courtney. I don't prioritize getting the needs of Courtney met. Um, and at least not directly, because I know at some point I'm going to be able to pay myself a lot of money. And when I can pay myself a lot of money because the CDC is going to fund this podcast that I will like this will have been meeting my needs. So I had to like have a legitimate reframe because so much of what I do on a daily basis looks like I am more so prioritizing other people, other people who come here, other people who are diagnosed, other people who are struggling with uh, everything it is that they have going on. I prioritize them over getting a good night's sleep. I prioritize them over having my me time in the morning. I prioritize them over um, maybe making dinner early or eating. And, you know, that's really not what is happening. And I needed to hear No More Mr. Nice Guy again with this new framework of experiences that I've had so that I could apply it to it. And in applying my experiences to the book again like I'm hearing the same information again and yet it's hitting so much different because the whole thing I said about like being selfish the word self keeps coming up and there's so many like variations of it between self-acceptance self-worth self-development self-esteem self image, self-realization, self-reflection, all of these things. Like, and I'm recognizing that my manliness, my manhood, my masculinity is more of a pathway of reconnecting to the self than it is anything else. And it's, it's not about being a man. It's about having an understanding of what a man is and then getting to the essence that has been just like uh coated in gunk and life and labels and descriptions of what it means to be man versus what you really are genuinely at your core and i believe that what i'm learning is that it's about presence one of the examples in the book was of the a lover 
who he'd go down on his woman for a really, really long time. And it was all about her pleasure. And like, not everybody wants that. Some people just want for a person who knows how to meet their own needs to show up and do that with them in their presence. And to hear um, you know, someone, I, I don't know what his uh, title was, I think some sort of a uh, psychologist. To hear him you know, speak so clearly to many of the experiences that I've even had with women. Um, I think y'all know about her, the girl who uh, was okay with me having herpes. We slept together, and then she wasn't okay with me having herpes. Like, I still think about this girl. It's been damn near a year. <laughs> and um, I see so much of what I did wrong in that situation as a result of listening to this No More Mr. Nice Guy book. Like, yes, I was very direct and intentional about, like, yo, I want to date you. I want to pursue you. And some people might find that hot. Some people might not, <laughs> right? Um, and I'm learning that we as people don't want anything that's just easy. Like, eventually, I guess you get beat down to the point of wanting something easy. But if I'm the kind of person that I claim myself to be, especially according to my self-image, then I absolutely did not prioritize myself i even look at like the sexual experience that we had like yeah it was fun but it wasn't like i wasn't present with that and so being present looks like you sharing the experience of having an interaction and engagement where you demonstrate that you are capable of meeting your needs. You are capable of asking for what you need because people want to give us what we need. They want to give us things. They want to give us experiences. But as a nice person, you go about doing so in a way where you won't or may not get rejected. And I, I see that so much of that from that particular encounter. And um, I know that I'm speaking to primarily an audience of women. So it's not really relevant for me to go into many more details. But as a man who um, is looking at being considered a leader of a group of people, a community of people, um, I think that it is important to note that the kind of person that I am, I mean, like, I, I know a lot of people, like, find me attractive physically and, like, that I'm vulnerable and that I do the work that I do, um, but, yeah, I, I recognize my, my, my F-ups, my flaws, and one of the things that I'm really working through right now is not necessarily compartmentalizing who Courtney is versus who H on my chest is, but it's more about recognizing that I strive to be more like H on my chest when the reality is I, Courtney, created H on my chest as a persona, as someone who could do the things that I, Courtney, wasn't capable of at the time. So H on my chest has shown me like who Courtney is 
rather than me looking at it like who I could be. And I, I share this much like background and detail about this because what I want to say is that I think that a lot of us do this in a way to where we don't realize that the person that we've become is a person that we've constructed. Like that's how powerful we are. And that's what we are capable of. We're capable of creating an identity for ourselves, a self-image for ourselves that we forget we created and we think that it's creating us and we strive toward being that. No, no. We found ourselves in a situation where we needed to be someone and we were present in that situation. And in order for us to get through it, that's what we did. We created that version of ourselves that is, quote, strong enough to handle it or that is focused on that thing and is capable of seeing it through. In my case, I, I've been reflecting on my, why my relationships have failed. Like I was in a, I was in an actual relationship with someone for um, it's been a month now since we ended things. But I was in a relationship for two months. And like I, I didn't even I didn't even get a chance to announce it because there were there were things there that I, as a nice guy, overlooked. And I recognized that it was I, I wasn't being manipulative. I was like more so trying to ninja myself into recognizing, okay, this has the potential of being a healthy relationship. This girl's cute. She cooks very, very well. She takes care of her body. She's very intelligent. She's independent. She has her own job, her own money, her own stuff going on. Uh, and so much was like a, a positive on the surface, but intuitively there were just things that just did not fit and I couldn't figure out why. If I prioritized myself, I would have looked at what my intuition was saying. I would have followed my gut and I would have ended the relationship before it even started. Or the second that, you know, I recognized that there were incompatibilities. And as a result, you know, I've, I've just decided to go along with it until I blew up. And that's one of the things that happens in these nice guy books. And by blow up, I don't mean like I got angry. I blew up as in like one thing happened and then it's just unraveled all of these other little things that made me realize like, oh yeah, we wasn't compatible. We shouldn't even been in this relationship. And it was, it's always like right around the time I'm about to post somebody. That's when they start tripping or right after they get the title. But I can't really say that anymore because uh, the whole time I was the one tripping, <laughs> you know? And, um, Part of what I was able to revisit through listening to this audiobook, No More Mr. Nice Guy, was that I need to be selfish. That I need to be intentional. I need to be direct. I need to like do those things. And I had a period of time where I was just asking for what I wanted. And I heard no sometimes, but also heard yes a lot. Like not not that I was keeping score, but I do more so remember the no's than I do the yeses, and that's okay. I'm not dead. I'm not hurt. I didn't lose any income. I didn't get kicked out. So for me, and this done turned into a whole like <laughs> thing about being about me, 
um, I, I, I had to recognize that there's two things, one of which is I am someone who is worthy of having my needs met and receiving. And then the other thing is that I've been doing this for the last five years. I've been asking for what I needed. I've been hearing no. I've been moving forward. I've been hearing yes through something positive for positive people. Like I ask people to interview, I ask for guests, and I hear no or a version of no that is avoidant. You know, like people will reach out, they'll get what they need from me, and then like I'll make an ask and I just won't hear from people anymore. Uh, these, these are rejections. I'll apply for a grant, put hours into the application, and then I won't even hear that I didn't get it, right? So these rejections, these forms of rejection hurt significantly and are, uh, they, they hurt significantly in dating, in personal life, whereas so much more goes into them on a professional level. And yet there is no significance. I put so much more time and energy, effort and passion into something positive for positive people. And I ask guests to, you know, hold space, send calendar advice now and only to not hear from them the day of or to hear from them after the fact. And they say, oh, hey, I'm sorry, I missed it. Or just to not hear from people at all. And like those rejections don't hurt. But for somebody to you know, be OK with moving forward sexually and then not, you know, that I mean, that's consent, you know, like you can change your mind at any time, regardless of what the circumstances are. And that's something that I had to understand. This person was taking care of themselves and I have not had much experience with taking care of myself. So as I speak to having created the persona of H on my chest as a way of meeting the needs of what my circumstances have been at a particular time, um, I'm finding that, you know, maybe that, maybe the time for that persona has like served its purpose. You know, I look at Tony Stark. Tony Stark was in a very, very dire situation. He had to create that iron suit and break out of the situation he was in. So he developed that iron suit, created an identity around it. He was Iron Man. He was Tony Stark. And then he was Iron Man. And then he became known as Iron Man for the for the Avengers movies. And then the Tony Stark needed to change and show up and recognize Iron Man didn't make Tony Stark. Tony Stark made Iron Man. And then he was just Tony. You'd see him a lot in his, uh, his suit would be on him. He wouldn't have his helmet on. He could press a button and situationally become Iron Man. But he was always Tony Stark. And Tony Stark was the one who had character development. H on my chest served a purpose. You know, like H on my chest had to be the supportive, emotionally aware and available and space holding version of Courtney. Like that was my Iron Man suit. This is my Iron Man suit. H on my chest. And as I speak through this, and I'm, I'm saying this for the first time, like podcasting is a really great way of processing things. Like, yeah, I journal too. But for me to be saying this out loud with the accountability of speaking to 
and being heard by however many hundreds of people will hear this at the time of uh over the time that it's been out there like it, it holds me accountable and it also makes me understand that like when I say these things out loud and I'm hearing myself say these things out loud, it, it it's doing something in my body. It's it's formulating or in my mind too, is formulating the beliefs around what it is that I'm saying because right now like I'm speaking from my raw truth. And I've always had this draw to Iron Man because, you know, so many people knew Iron Man was Tony Stark. So many people knew Tony Stark was Iron Man. But at the end of it all, like, Tony was always Tony. And when Tony needed to put that suit on and do things that, you know, maybe Tony just physically was not capable of, he did it. So, um, I don't know. Like, as I'm speaking through this, I think that maybe it's time to... Get rid of, you know, the H on my chest whole thing and just be Courtney. Um, founder of an organization, something positive for positive people. And yeah, like um <laughs> I ain't gonna be Courtney H on my chest brain. That ain't gonna work because <laughs> that's too long. We'll figure it out. Uh but yeah, I'm I'm recognizing how much more important it is for me to meet my needs, whatever those are. And like, I can confidently say here, like my needs are, um, in relation to what I heard in the No More Than Mr. Nice Guy book, like more life for myself. Like um, I want to have more satisfying sex. I know that I haven't been having near as much sex as I want or satisfying and then the times I do get it I'm like yo what's up let's go girls be like oh my god again I'm like yes (laughs) and so like I want more of that quality and I I recognize that that's gonna take some work I gotta step my shit up like um dressing wise like I'm y'all see me on Instagram I'm always in like a workout t-shirt and sweatpants uh and my hair looks a mess. I always look like I just woke up because I'm always working. Like my desk is on at the foot of my bed. Like there's about a two foot space between my uh, bed and then my computer chair. I sit there and I'm doing shit. I'm making presentations. I'm reading stuff. I'm responding to DMs. I'm talking on the phone in voice messages, supporting people through um, potentially disclosing. I'm having therapy. I'm talking to the therapists that I work with to get people who are struggling with stigma into therapy. I'm checking in with board members. I'm updating my meeting notes. I'm doing stuff that I didn't know existed for running a business as a nonprofit that popped up on me out of the blue. I'm doing so much of everything except taking care of myself. So I'm actively making it a point for myself to to do that because of revisiting this and just looking at the lack of success in relationships that I had just sent stemming from me not having a solid foundational relationship with myself and being real with myself and being real with other people about what my intentions are um, in the relationship, but not like, not even like, um, what are my intentions with you? But like, what do I want for myself in these interactions? You know, like I'm, I'm coming to learn that 
so much of relationships with other people really come down to, do I like myself in the presence of this person? Am I able to be present with this person? And uh, I've not, while I talk all this shit about taking time in between relationships to, oh, just be with myself and then I'll start dating again. What happens is I, I'm like depriving myself and then I go into dating again because like I, I'll step out, dress up and like be peak Courtney. And then somebody will you know, approach me most uh, most of the times and then I'll be like, oh, damn, you know, this is nice. This is great. And then, bam, like we start like everything is so much better because it's not being compared to anything. So like going from a, uh, an unsuccessful relationship to just like a new standard without comparing like I'm not comparing anything to this person because each time I end a relationship no two relationships end for the same reason for me and I do a real good job of like screening people who don't have the same character traits or behaviors of um that that caused the end of a previous relationship and I've been doing that, but I'm like, okay, well, who am I? Like, clearly I'm the same person because I'm just having these experiences in different ways. Same experiences, just different ways, I believe. And so, yeah, I think that it's important for me, for all of us to take in, excuse me, how was it like a hiccup burp thing? It's important for me, and I'm going to use I statements here in my experience to like, I, 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 I've done this thing where I reverted back to H on my chest. I think I mentioned it in the previous podcast episode about going on a date and, you know, not even setting the intention of it being a date, not like making moves, not putting myself in a position to, um, to get what I wanted, which was I wanted to have sex. I didn't make that clear. And I reverted into like nice guy mode and I was like, oh, I tripped. Let me just ride this thing out and think about it and self-reflect on it later. Um, but then like when I did just prioritize Courtney and be intentional and say what was on my mind and be myself, like there are genuinely people who like that shit. And it, it shocks me because for so long I've been taught that who I am is not like good enough. Like I'm... Um, all these things at my core, but like, I mean, I'm, I'm a fucking man. Like at the end of it, yeah, I'm a sexual man. I'm respectful. I only do things that are consented to consensual. So it doesn't make me a bad person for wanting what I want. It doesn't make me bad for liking what I like. It doesn't make me bad for communicating that and making an effort and attempt to get my needs met. And so like, I am learning this through practice, through practice of being Courtney of being me and um I do I do this thing now and you can take this if it works for you where if I stumble across like an event that's coming up or something I'll just put it in my calendar uh for the date with a reminder the week before two days before two hours before and I'll buy tickets for it like um I've done this with Tyler the Creator concert uh Dave Chappelle was in town 
Um, I bought Jack Harlow tickets for way later. I bought uh, Kendrick Lamar tickets. I bought tickets to these comedy shows. And one of the things popped up on me for tomorrow, for tomorrow night, it's a comedy show that's going to be filmed for HBO. And this, this was $5, y'all. Like, the price was cut ridiculously. I don't know what the situation was, but that they $5, I'm in there. Um, I've gone to a sex club um, that had, like, a, a dress-up, like, summer ween night. And it was real cool. I got to dress up as Finn from Adventure Time. And um, I also, like, uh, what was the other thing I did? I went out one night. Had, I, I told y'all about the best night I had going out by myself. But... So much more of these things um, that I do are not just building my confidence, but building my self-trust, like being able to have this trust in myself that I am capable of meeting my own needs. I am someone who can uh, pursue what it is that I want to pursue. And yeah, I might not get it, but I also might get it. Just like with um, disclosing our herpes status. Yeah, we might experience rejection, but we might not. And I want to spend more time in the might not thing. Like it, it might actually happen for me, the thing that I want to happen. And as I put more of my focus there, I'm seeing that more things are happening for me. So this is, you know, this is more not so much of integrating H on my chest into Courtney anymore, like I've said in the past, because Courtney created H on my chest. So it's it's been integrated. And Courtney has learned from H on my chest and developed and grown and changed, uh, evolved in a way that allows for me to show up more as Courtney and realize not necessarily the insignificance of H on my chest, but to recognize that H on my chest served the purpose, serves the purpose of being there as H on my chest is. Like if that's my, my Iron Man suit, you know, I, I don't have that. It, it's evolved. It's not big and bulky and clanky and inhibiting my ability to walk or navigate earth. If you've seen Iron Man, then you know what I'm talking about. But over time, like I've sort of redesigned H on my chest. I rebranded H on my chest and made H on my chest work a lot easier for Courtney Brain. Just the same way Tony Stark did with the Iron Man suit. As he became better and innovated, you saw that he has more suits fitting for situations. But at the end of the day, it's Tony Stark. You run up on Tony Stark, you might not get Iron Man, but you're going to get the guy who created Iron Man. That's that's still dangerous. May not be physically dangerous, but that boy got skills. And that's that's me. That's that's my That's my journey and where I am right now at this point in my life is recognizing the value of Courtney and I hope that we can all get to a point of doing so and you know this this episode was inspired particularly by last night's introduction to sex positivity for sex positive people event um so if you missed the event we recorded it and uh, once I get the audio I'm going to edit it and put it up onto the podcast feed because what was so cool about that is all everyone there was a, was um, all women were there uh, except myself. Like even the lady who I had hosted, Jamie Kowalty, uh, the executive director of Sex Positive World. Even you know she was a woman, and 
it was one cool to see all these women show up, but two, just like a, a it was very symbolic to what I see through something positive. What I see <clears throat> through something positive. <clears throat> what I see through something positive is that so many of the women who were here are the responsible ones for like initiating conversations with partners about sexual health, women who date men. Um, yeah, the, the responsibility is on them. And it, there's various reasons why that is. But um, to see so many women to have shown up and want to get the same information that like I've and I'll, this will come up in the episode. So I'm not going to spend too much time here, but to want to receive the information that allows for them to have better relationships, not just with other people, but with themselves. It's a very strong demonstration of what me pursuing wholeness in myself and my masculinity is bringing out of the feminine. Like this was very reflective of that to me because it wasn't them chasing a man's validation or approval. It was them essentially like just being led by one by their intuition, by their feminine energy to follow the masculine energy of myself who's evolving and developing and wanting to pursue wholeness in myself, not necessarily in relation of pursuing their validation, but just pursuing wholeness within myself and naturally, organically doing the things that allow for the feminine to trust and demonstrate trust within the masculine, within men. Because I, I, as I've said before, there is a strong distrust of the masculine. There's a strong distrust of men. And I am, as Courtney, working on that. So I thank y'all. I thank y'all for being a safe space for me to emotionally express myself and to process some things out loud for the first time, uh, like I did with today. Um, Courtney's Iron Man or Courtney's uh, H on my chest is Tony Stark's Iron Man or vice versa, whichever way sounds better. And um, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm realizing how much more important it is that I be myself than it is for me to be H on my chest. And this was something that I learned just through having the challenge of going back home as Courtney with, you know, I ain't gonna say I left my Iron Man suit at home, but I went back home as Courtney and I reverted back to H on my chest in situations. And I say reverted back to because I put these limitations on myself and tried to show up as someone that I thought that um, the few people that I did that would needed to see or wanted to see as opposed to just being myself. So that's, that's again, this is something that I'm working through, working on. And I think I got it. I think I, I got I, I got the next steps for myself. So I got my next journal prompt for sure. I'll be on the lookout for that introduction to sex positivity podcast episode. Once I get it, I'll edit it and upload it right away. Um, and also be on the lookout for this game changing as project that I'm doing through something positive for positive people, uh, bringing the simulated patient experience to clinicians and healthcare providers. If you've had a good or bad experience with a healthcare organization or provider, especially with getting tested, uh, hit me up. Let me know because this is this what I'm doing now. 
This is my career. This is my my business. Like this is what my business is. I got the money to start it. I got the money to collect the information that is gonna allow for me to be able to go and ask for more money in order to do more of this thing that I am very confident is gonna change the world. Best part about it is it doesn't require me being H on my chest to do it. It's Courtney, it's Courtney's project. And I thank y'all for supporting me, for challenging me, for celebrating me for loving me, for showing up for me, for connecting with me. And, I, and as of right now, I can be found on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit at H on my chest. Um, but yeah, again, I'm, I'm, I'm Courtney. <laughs> yeah. Till next time, stay pleasure positive.